seriously. I'm like, how many, can I get a month off? That's what I want. But um, So we'll be doing this through the month of, of January at least and um, maybe um, switching our worship service up throughout the year and doing more times like this uh, to create more intimacy in our worship, more togetherness. Um, well, again, my name is Daryl Temple. I actually pastor this church, if you can imagine. I know I look like I'm 12. Um, but I'm actually 40. I'm not 40. Like, these, seriously, no lie. I know. I will be 41 in January. On the 6th of January, if you want to give me a gift, I am receiving. Uh, I'll let you know my Vmo account and PayPal and all those things. You just pop a little blessing. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. No, but I'm turning 41. Kind of scared. Um, not going to lie. 40 was a hard year for me, uh, emotionally. Didn't take it so good. And I'm hoping that at 41, I don't have a midlife crisis. Uh, but we'll see. Amen. Well, let's pray and let's get into God's word, okay? Everybody loose, feeling good? All right, put a smile on your face. We're about ready to hear the word of God. Father, we thank you for your word. Now, Jesus, we pray that you would exalt your son. We pray, Father, that you would exalt Jesus through the preaching of your word. Father, that we would treasure your son in our hearts more as we hear the word. God, that we would all respond. God, I I imagine many have come through these doors experiencing various kinds of things in their lives, hardships, victories, God, downs, some feel up. Lord, I I just pray, Lord, that this morning through the preaching of your word, you would meet us where we are at, God. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Um, I don't know how good I am at this thing called self-awareness. Anybody heard about, like, you know, having a good kind of self-awareness of yourself? Like, just being aware of what or how you tick and how you act, maybe emotionally and mentally. I'm, I'm not, I don't really know where I fall on the scale. I imagine if you talk to uh, some people, they're like, yeah, I don't know if he's really self-aware. He's kind of awkward. If you talk to my wife, that's, that's what she'll say, so don't talk to her. But um, in my effort to be more aware of myself and kind of the way I behave and act, I've come to realize um, something unique about me, and that's that I seem to appreciate things... You, can inject in there anything you want. I'll give you an example. But I seem to appreciate things just a little bit more uh, when I understand how those things work and how they came into being. Now, let me explain. Um, some of you are looking at, what is he talking about? Well, my marriage, for example, all right? I'm sure we don't have many married men here today. Um, but if there is, and you've been married um, well over five years, then you're, this will resonate with you. Um, but uh, my wife, uh, over the years, I can honestly say, through, through the 11 years that we've been married, that I've kind of lost a sense of pre- appreciation for my spouse. And so, um, luckily for me in my marriage, my wife always lovingly reminds me of when I um, lose that appreciation. Uh, for example, last night we were coming back from someplace in Andover, looking at this beautiful display of lights with... Abram and his cousins, um, and an article came up in her Facebook feed, and it was, um, God will hinder your prayers if you don't honor your wife, and she just, you know, announced that right in the cab, and I'm like, oh my goodness, like, this is a message, right? I better heed the word of God, right? And so I, I'm thinking, well, I don't want my prayers hindered, babe, so I'm going to learn how to honor you and appreciate you. And so uh, doing that isn't easy for me. I'm just being honest. So I have to kind of put a couple things in place, in place, so that I can learn how to honor and appreciate my wife more. So how I do this is throughout time, like when I feel like I'm slipping and kind of getting apathetic and appreciating Bethany, 
I go to just kind of thinking deeply upon the way she works. Now, let me explain. Um, I'll start to think, like, what makes my wife tick, okay? What, what, um, what is the way that she kind of processes things, right? Like, how she handles uh, struggles and finds solutions. I mean, if you know Bethany, she is just so proactive. She is um, so opposite than me, and I am very grateful. I mean, our marriage would be in dire straits if it wasn't for my wife being totally different than who I am as a person. And so when I start to think about those differences, my heart kind of rejoices inside. I'm like, God, I am so glad that she's nothing like me. <laughs> and I, I appreciate the way that she does things. I mean, this church, we wouldn't be a church if it wasn't for my I would have blew this thing up a long time ago. Uh, not, not necessarily, you know, I wouldn't, you know, that's me just trying to be funny. I wouldn't, you know, anyways. Um, so when I think about the way Bethany works, I kind of grow in my appreciation for her. Um, and, and, and when I also think about the way our relationship came into being, like, I mean, many of you probably know our story. I mean, we went kind of the long road, if you would. Um, uh, we took a good 11 years of, like, dating before we got married. Don't recommend it. Don't do it. Um, if you're interested in somebody, please do not take 11 years to put a ring on it, if you're going to put a ring on it. But we did. And I'm grateful in a way for it. Uh, but when I think about how our relationship came into being, like all the hurdles that we faced in that time of courting and dating, um, all the people, and there were tons, unfortunately, who said, oh, don't do it. He's no good for you. You know, she'll mess up your life. She's too religious. You know, like, you know, all those naysayers. When I think about how we persevered and kind of, you know, plugged through those and, and broke through those barriers, I'm forever grateful for my wife's perseverance. Um, and, and, then, and then again, you know, there's all the kind of doubts that I had. If I would measure up and be that man that was good enough for Bethany, for me, um, marrying Bethany was a bit of a tall order in the sense that I was, I was like, you know, I, we come from like the opposite sides of the track. I mean, you're like Mother Teresa, and I'm like, you know, I don't even, we won't even put, like, I, I don't even know a category or a name I could give myself, but I, I, we just came from very opposite sides of the spectrum. But when I think about these things, when I think about... Uh, the, the, the perseverance and the way that we kind of work through our differences through those 11 years, man, I am forever grateful for Bethany and my marriage. And so these things just help me. When I'm getting apathetic, when I'm getting complacent in, 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 in appreciating my wife, this is kind of my go-to. Fellas, I just gave you something. You can um, take notes, write that. If you, like me, struggle, um, write it down. It will be helpful. I promise. Uh, but I say this to say all of what I'm going to say next, and that is, this is how I believe we grow in treasuring the gospel. All right? The more I understand the gospel, right, it's not just about experiencing Jesus in his presence. It's actually getting our nose in the book and, and learning about the Lord. The more we learn and take in and read and absorb the gospel, the more we treasure it, the more we, we grow in actually appreciating God's redemptive reach in human history, right? I mean, let's, let's think about this. You know, for some of us, we may think that the gospel story starts in Bethlehem, right? I mean, certainly that's the way I was kind of groomed and and kind of told and, and kind of taught in the church that, 
you know, this whole thing started in a manger with a baby who was born of a virgin. When in actuality, this story starts well before Bethlehem. It starts in Eden. And, I, I, and Eden is a place where, that we see way back in Genesis where we first get glimpse, if I could say that, of God's redemptive plan in human history. Can you imagine that? Now, if you're familiar, if you're, you know, if you're churched here this morning, um, you kind of know the story, right? Adam and Eve, our first parents, disobey God. And as a result of their rebellion and disobedience, sin enters the world, is what Scripture teaches us. And all men, as a result of their sin, become sinners, right? I mean, what a deal. Thank you, Adam and Eve. But in actuality, that is how this whole thing unraveled. Essentially, in Genesis chapter 2, we see that there was a sense of union, perfect union between God and man. We see that there was perfect communion and fellowship between God and man. But yet, just a couple chapters, not even a chapter later, a couple verses later, we see that man ultimately was not satisfied enough, even in the very presence of God, to keep themselves from sinning. And here it is, guys. Here's what I would like to communicate, hopefully by the grace of God this morning. And that is, at the moment of Adam and Eve's rebellion, God already instituted a plan of redemption. And that's why the gospel story actually happens in Genesis and not Bethlehem. See, we see the foreshadowing of God's redemptive plan for our sin immediately, even before he sends his son. So let's look at Genesis 3.21 and see if you can pick up with me the first act of God's generous, kind mercy extended towards Adam and Eve. Genesis 3.21, one verse says, And the Lord God made Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. That sounds pretty close to what Jesus has done for us, right? Am I, am I right? I mean, here it is. Now, we're, we're kind of trucking through a lot of scriptures to kind of arrive at the main point, right? There's a lot that's going on in Genesis. But yet at the moment that sin entered the world by Adam and Eve's disobedience, this is God's response. Now, I don't know about you, but I used to have this kind of thought of God like he was just intolerant, always angry, and immediately just like, what are you doing? You know, I, I, forgive me if you've seen this. I found out that even in my study this week that God kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden not to discipline them, but to protect them. Can you imagine that? God kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden after they sinned not in order to punish them, but to protect them. Why? Well, he had, had a thought that if they ate from the tree of life, that they would live forever. 
And, and now that they had sinned, to, to, to sin and fall short of the glory of God and eat of the tree of life and live forever and live in sin forever without any redemptive plan was unbearable to God. You imagine that? So for their good, they're told to leave the garden. But here, before they leave, God doesn't cover their sin, their nakedness, with leaves like they did. Isn't it funny that when we fall short of the glory of God, we look for anything to cover that madness and that sin other than the grace of God, the blood of God. But here, God sees that very thing in Adam and Eve's response to their sin, and he clothes them with the skins. Now, this is reflective of two things. One, it's reflective of the, of the Old uh, Testament where God required an animal sacrifice that Moses kind of led the children of Israel in, right? But it's also reflected of the sacrificial act of the cross where Jesus would pour out his life and by his blood cover our guilt. That charges me. That fuels praise in my heart. Now here's an interesting thing moving fast. We can say that this is not God the Father who has done this, but God the Son. For two reasons. In John 1.8, it says no one has ever seen God. Now John, the, the, the scripture verse doesn't inject that Adam and Eve saw God. John says that no one has seen God. No one. So not only do we have the first uh, substitutionary act in Genesis 3.21, we have the Lamb of God who's instituting this act before he will go and do that final act and put his very life on the cross and ultimately cover our sins for good. God the Son covered the nakedness of Adam and Eve. 1 Timothy 6.16 says, Who alone has immortality? Who dwells in unapproachable light? No one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor, eternal dominion forever. God covers the sin of Adam and Eve. And essentially this act will foreshadow that which we will end up fully knowing in Christ Jesus. He, by his body placed on the cross, will cover our guilt and our shame. Now the prophet Isaiah saw this, and so didn't Paul the apostle. And here's a couple of verses that we can, we can go to. Isaiah 61.10 says this, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord my, my soul, shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. Come on now. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. Oh, God has covered my skin with garments of salvation. Romans 4, 7 through 8 says, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count 
his sin. Whew. This is good news. Galatians 3, 27. Last one, it says that when we were baptized, we were clothed in Christ. There's many other references to this act of God's substitutionary atonement. Romans 6, 1 through 11, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, Romans 13, 14, Ephesians 4, 21. Essentially, the list goes on. Let's turn to Romans 5, 12. Big picture here of what took place by one man's disobedience and one man's obedience. And essentially, guys, this is why we rejoice today. This is why we gather. We gather in the remembrance of what Christ has done for us. Hey, maybe, maybe that's not the reason you've come to church today. Maybe you just were drugged here by a friend or a loved one. Uh, but what you're witnessing here is just people responding to the gospel. What you're witnessing here is just blood-bought saints of God saying, Lord, here we are. We worship you for the finished work of the cross. And hopefully, hopefully, by God's grace, you'll be counted among those numbers. This is what Romans 5.12 says about the disobedience of one man and the obedience of another. It says that because of Adam's disobedience, Sin had entered the world and spread throughout humanity. And then we skip down to verse 17. For if, because of one man's trespasses, again, he's referencing Adam, Adam, death reigned through that one man, much more will all those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to the condemnation of all men, so one act of righteousness leads to the justification in life for all men. For by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Friends, this is good, good news and if and if you are a follower a disciple of Jesus this should make your heart respond in a way where you grow in appreciating the gospel will you break past the um, familiarities of just like oh yeah Jesus died for me heard it once hear it all the time but it becomes a very living reality in your soul that actually fires up your faith it fires up your zeal for the Lord. It, it, it would cause you to sing louder, raise your hands, act like a fool in the presence of God. Now, I'm not saying that's, that's the only response that you should have, but this good news should fire us up. Matter of fact, I'm banking on the entirety of my life that I will boil my excitement, my devotion, my affection for Christ down to this simple truth. That through one man's obedience, I, Daryl Temple, 
a very selfish, self-centered, unappreciative, the list goes on, can find grace and mercy and love that I can become counted amongst the righteous. Not because of my righteousness. Not because I, I, I learned how to appreciate my wife more. Although I'm hoping, I'm banking on it, that God will transform my heart. But not because of that. I'm not counting on my works. I'm counting on His work. And for that, I, I, I get excited. And my prayer is that it excites you too. And my prayer for those that maybe you're like, hey, I was drugged here by my mom. And my best friend like pressured me into coming. I'm hoping that the palate of your soul is watered this morning. That you might, you just might, want this kind of relationship with your heavenly father also. That you're, that you're maybe tired and exhausted of trying uh, by your own works to achieve some kind of acceptance of God, but that you could land like many of us have already landed on the simple truth that we are accepted by God, not because of what we do, but because of who Christ is. You know, I'm banking on that once I leave this door, there will be a level of disobedience that will fill my life, that I will act just because of my fallen nature. But I'm also counting and leaning on the grace of God to cover that disobedience and righteousness and transform me into the very image of his son. And my prayer is that many here, if not all the people here, will want that same thing for their lives. So what is it for you? What is it that gets you Excited. What is it for you that matures and grows your appreciation for the gospel, your appreciation for what Christ has done? Through one man's disobedience, many fell to sin, but through one man's obedience, many were counted as righteousness. Let's bow our heads and I'm going to pray. I really didn't have a long sermon prepared. I was counting on God to do a work of grace in this place this morning. And you know, I don't know if I, I did the best at communicating this. I imagine for some of you I have failed, but I think that what needed to be said was said and that is this, I, I feel as though God wants to call some of us out of trying to seek the approval of God in the means or by the means of our own works and our own righteousness, just getting it right. God wants to deliver us from some of that where we are solely dependent about them. You see, Adam and Eve, they wanted to be their own gods. They wanted to lead themselves. They thought they would be a better sovereign than the sovereign Lord. And some of us, unknowingly, we act like that too. It's just part of our fallen nature. And I think what Adam and Eve did was they broke that place of saying, Lord, we no longer want to be dependent on you. And I can't imagine the thing that some of us do that unknowingly. I got this, God. I can do it on my own. But the fact
fact is this, friends, you cannot do it on your own. You were not designed to do it on your own. You were designed to do it with God. And see, that's where all this is going. All this is going back to the Garden of Eden, where we will have that perfect union with Christ, that perfect dependency on Christ. So I believe God wants to do two things. I believe God is still on a mission. His desire is to seek and save the lost. It's still a desire of his heart. And so I imagine that there are maybe a couple of people who feel lost. And you feel God may be calling out to you today. And then I I think that there's some people that are trying to gain approval, right? Approval from God by their own works, doing things in their own strengths, and you're finding that you are failing miserably. And I think God is reaching out this morning saying, put your faith in me. Do this thing with me. You don't have to count on your own righteousness. You don't have to count on your own worth. I love you. I've already purchased for you everything that you need for life and godliness in Christ Jesus come to me and so maybe maybe Jesus is just casting his nets out to you trying to draw you into now again place your dependency utterly and completely in him so twofold now I'm just going to ask and that every eye would be closed and every head would be bowed low every eye, that means every eye because we don't want to put anybody out on call we, we want to respect one another and, I, and I, I certainly don't want to make a skeptical of anybody and make them feel uncomfortable but if you're here and you want to put your faith in Jesus Christ you want to know that God's approval of you, his acceptance of you is not by your good works and your deeds but his love and the sacrifice of his son Jesus. Now with every eye closed, if you're here today and you would like to place your life in the loving hands of the Father, just raise your hands. Just put them high to the sky. No eye is looking. I see two in the back. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Every eye closed. Please. Thank you. I see you. One more chance, if you would like to put your faith in Jesus Christ. We're not going to make a big deal of this. It's very simple. We are offering the best gift in the world. We don't have to work it up. We don't have to hype it up. But if you would like to put your faith in Jesus Christ, just put your hands up to the sky. Nobody's looking. Every eye is closed. I see you in the back. Thank you. I see you. I see you in the back. Thank you. I see you in the back. Thank you. Now we're going to come back to that. And in a moment, I'm going to ask if you would, after service, come and meet with me and pray with me for a little while so we can discuss discuss some things surrounding the decision that you just made but here's the second part of this every eye still closed 
you feel like, man, I'm doing, I know I'm doing this walk in my own strength. I know that I'm constantly battered and beaten down because I feel like I can never get it right. I feel like I'm never gaining God's approval. I feel like I'm always failing him. If that's you, if you feel like, listen, you're not failing him. He has already counted on every decision you have ever made, every failure you have ever made. He has already counted on it and has fully purchased your salvation irregardless of your failures. If you feel like you've been doing that in your own strength, your faith, your walk with Jesus in your own strength, put your hands high. Put your hands high. I see you. 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 Now keep your hands up, those who responded to that part. Father, right now, Right now, in the name of Jesus, I ask, Lord, that you would intervene by your power and strength, God. That you would manifest yourself, your acceptance, your love to these who have raised their hands. That in no longer, God, would they try to do this walk of faith in their own strength, God. No longer would they try to look to their own works to gain approval and acceptance by God, but they would know it's not about their works. Jesus, right now, I pray, Lord, that you would break the back of religion, break the spirit of religion off of us, God. Help us, Lord, to be utterly and completely dependent upon you, God, not in our own righteous deeds, Lord, but in your Son's sacrificial, broken body, atoning for our sins. Father, I pray, God, that you would stretch forth your hands and rescue those who feel as though they are doing this walk of faith in their own strength. something that's strongly based like just in community man if you would if you if for the second part you raised your hand and said that was me can you just put your hand up a little yep just put your hand back up feel comfortable okay now everybody i want your eyes to open i want you to get around those people while will just ministers here playing the piano i want us to gather around these this these saints just begin to pray for them so keep your hands up i know this sometimes can be awkward but hey listen This is what church is about. We pray for one another, right? I wish more of, uh, like in my 20s, my church would have done stuff like this. So guys, go ahead. Just start to pray for them. Come on. Now, if you don't feel comfortable for praying for someone, that's okay. In your seat, just pray. Pray in your heart for these brothers and sisters. Come on, I know like it's, it's a Sunday before Christmas. Why are we doing something like this? Uh, why not? <laughs> well, let's take five minutes and lift our brothers and sisters up before the Lord.
Jesus, lift our heavy burdens. Come, Jesus, intervene, Lord. Break through in this place. Break through in our lives, Jesus. Heal us. Make us whole. Make us dependent upon you, Jesus.